Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. Melissa is a 31-year-old patient with moderate persistent asthma in your practice. She calls for a refill of her albuterol inhaler, a short-acting beta agonist, as she's been wheezing daily for the last three days and is about to run out. You ask her if she's been taking the daily fluticasone steroid inhaler that you prescribed on your uh, last visit. She states she forgets often and let the refill lapse. You've heard about a change in asthma management focused on using inhaled corticosteroids along with long-acting beta agonists on an as-needed basis rather than using albuterol for asthma exacerbations. And you wonder if now's the time to start instituting that change. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Robert Baldor, professor and founding chair from the Department of Family Medicine at UMass Medical School, Bay State, in Springfield, Massachusetts. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Frank. Uh, pleasure to be here again. Bob, I've got to tell you, um, I am very proud of you. The audience should know that Dr. Baldor prepared this podcast, and within the last 12 hours, there's been an update, and he revised it all. So let's talk about about poor Melissa. Um, you're going to discuss the new guidelines from the National Asthma Education and Prevention Program. What exactly is that group and how do they relate to other groups around the world? Yes, well, interesting. This is the um, uh, the National uh, Heart, Lung, and uh, Blood Institute in, in uh, 1991 uh, established this program and it's the one that really uh, puts out those guidelines that most of us are are following in the United States. There's another organization called GINA, which is a, a global uh, 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 asthma uh, organization looking at asthma advocacy that uh, uh, oftentimes works hand in hand. And GINA had actually just come out with some new recommendations here uh, a year ago. And then uh, this uh, update just came through here. I was actually last night as I was preparing to tell you about GINA. So we're going to focus on what uh, this program talks about because this is really germane to what we do here in the uh, in the United States. I think these are the guidelines that we typically uh, follow. There, um, this is the first update in their asthma recommendations since 2007. So it's been a while since they, they've changed anything about asthma management. It's great that they finally got around to it, especially as you mentioned that Gina updated their guidelines recently. So um, these new guidelines, can you give us a quick summary uh, about uh, about what they found and and um, what they're based upon. Yeah, well, so they did an exhaustive uh, uh, review of the literature, and they actually started with uh, almost twenty one thousand identified uh, references in the last uh, decade here on asthma management. They uh, ended up focusing on four hundred and seventy five of these. They felt were high quality. Did six, six systematic reviews really to form the evidence that's underlying their their recommendations. And interestingly enough. Uh, just to sort of cut to the chase on a lot of the treatment parts of it, which I think is important for, for this discussion, talking more and more about uh, the importance of inhaled corticosteroids, um, talking about the difficulty oftentimes in adhering to maintenance therapy, and maybe we should be using these for rescue therapy as well, as long as, uh, coupled with long-acting uh, beta agonists. So that's an uh, interesting change. 
It is a very interesting change. It's a different mindset for most of us in medicine. Um, my patients often rely on short-acting beta agonists uh, like albuterol for symptom relief and often don't do a great job maintaining uh, using the maintenance inhalers, especially the inhaled corticosteroids. Um, can you just briefly tell us um, about those changes? Yes, yeah, so I think the, the, the biggest changes here, really looking at, uh, you know, step two uh, and upward uh, therapy, and these are for folks now with really uh, mild, uh, persistent, uh, moderate, severe uh, asthma. And so for, for mild, persistent asthma, they're saying, you know, continue what we're doing, either a low-dose uh, uh, inhaled corticosteroid plus an as-needed short-acting beta agonist, like your albuter, or you could use this at, as... Um, as needed. So, and, and if you actually think about this, right? So saying, if you rather than just using albuterol as needed, use the inhaled corticosteroid with your albuterol as needed. And so think about this. So wheezing is the symptom. And so what does the albuterol, what the beta agonist do? It just reverses the symptom. It doesn't do anything to treat the underlying condition. So if somebody, and that's why we want people to be on the inhaled corticosteroid is to decrease that inflammation on a regular basis. So if they're not doing a good job of adhering to that. When they have an attack, use your inhaled corticosteroid. So use the beta agonist first, so you're opening up those airways, then use your inhaled corticosteroid on top of that so it decreases the inflammation. So that's the, that's a really an interesting change uh, for, for mild asthma. The other neat piece of this is if we move along to uh, step four, step three, step four for moderate, uh, more moderate or severe asthma, they're actually now talking about switching from a short-acting beta agonist to a long-acting beta agonist. And what they're specifically talking about, and again, you know I do a great job at uh, destroying the English language here and pronouncing these names, um, it's a formoterol. And what that is, it happens to be a long-acting beta agonist but it's quick acting as opposed to the other ones. And so uh, they're talking about uh, using this. So they're saying you should use this in combination. So it does come, by the way, as a product with, uh, with a uh, inhaled corticosteroid called uh, Simicor. And so, and actually these studies were actually published uh, last year, year ago in the New England Journal of Medicine called the Sigma studies. And they all look specifically at uh, using this, uh, this combination here uh, to treat asthma as part of it. So what you're saying is you use this combination, long-acting beta agonist and inhaled corticosteroids as a preferred treatment and to be using this here regularly or and as needed. And even if somebody's using it regularly, now they're having an asthmatic attack, you take an extra hit of this thing uh, as a PRN. You're not, taking, you're not using your albuterol uh, for it. So it's really uh, an interesting change uh, thinking uh, about, this, uh, about this aspect uh, for it. They do talk about, by the way, for step five, adding a long-acting uh, muscarinic antagonist, that would be like the ipratropium, uh, to that as, uh, as well, if you, if you go along. They're pretty, uh, but those are the, the major changes in treatment, I think. And, and, and for, uh, you know, for individual, they have these nice charts that they have out there. And I uh, you know, urge people to go and, and print out these charts and, and have them in front of you as you're looking at your individual uh, uh, patients. Some other things they talk about as, as, as well, but those are the, the key treatment changes that they have. This is going to be a fairly significant um, patient education challenge for us. We have to help our, our patients with mild asthma to start using their inhaled corticosteroid along with their short-acting beta agonist and people with moderate or severe to do the combination. Is that, is that the correct thing we need to start emphasizing? 
Yeah, for sure. Although interestingly enough, they didn't make a change though for step one. For those with intermittent asthma, say just continue using your rescue inhaler for, for intermittent. And by the way, I should probably just take a minute to talk about the classification just for, for folks that are, that are listening. Um, they didn't make any changes in the asthma classifications. And um, so the classifications, right, you, you have uh, mild intermittent, mild persistent, moderate persistent and severe persistent you know conceptually think about it that way so moderate intermittent is a couple times less than a couple times a week right moderate i'm just trying to talk about daytime symptoms in my mind i try and simplify these things uh uh and, and so i just really focus on daytime symptoms if you go through the chart though it talks about nighttime symptoms exercise tolerance uh, fev ones and so on but anyways uh, for the sake of this discussion mild intermittent you know less than a couple times a week that you're having symptoms Mild, you're having it more than twice a week, but not daily. Moderate persistent, you're having daily symptoms and severe continual throughout the day. So those are the basic classifications that we're looking at. And so really we're looking at still for people who are having symptoms, you know, uh, you know, less than twice a week, your short acting beta agonist is still uh, recommended. Beyond that is when we begin making these, uh, these, 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 these changes. Well, thank you very much. This is, uh... This is a, a big change, something we, we really haven't seen a change in asthma management in a while. And I think this, this helps inform me a lot, and it, you make perfect sense. When someone's got an asthma exacerbation, they have inflammation, and just using the beta agonist treats the symptom, not the cause. I'll start adding um, corticosteroid inhalation for my acute exacerbations, and, and as, as you suggested, stratify care accordingly. Thanks for bringing this today, and I really appreciate you working so hard in the last 12 hours to put it together. <laughs> Frank, I just want to call readers' attention to the fact they actually made within this uh, update, not just on treatment, they talked a little bit about uh, some changes in diagnosis, allergen management, uh, immunotherapies, and, and not using uh, bronchial thermoplasty for anything. So there's other interesting things that are in this, uh, uh, in, in this guideline as, um, as, as, as well. But for I think for the people we're seeing on a daily basis, this is the key things to, to remember and to, to, to focus on. Great. Thanks, Bob. Practice pointer. There is an increased focus on using inhaled corticosteroids, not just as maintenance therapy, but in combination with long-acting inhaled beta-2 agonists on an as-needed basis to treat symptoms for adults and adolescents with moderate to severe asthma. Join us next time when we talk about the latest research on managing acute low back pain with sciatica and effective interventions to get patients well faster. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.